Sealing God's People at SealingGodsPeople.org with your host, Dennis Beard. There's a few questions we'd like to get answered and basically has to do with the eternal offices of the Spirit of God. We know there's only one Spirit. There's one body, one Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, who is the Father of us all, above all, and in us all. Ephesians 4 tells us this one God, one Spirit. But there's many different offices or functions of that Spirit. The Father is the administrative office of that one Spirit. There's three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. They're not in a union. They are one. Heis is the Greek word for one, which means one in the very self-same spirit. But then there's questions, and some of you have asked, and we want to clarify how these, these offices of the spirit are eternal offices. It is a morpha or a form that is eternal. Jesus, who being in the form of God, that form morpha is an eternal state. It's not something that is temporary or temporal. It is eternal. Morpha. Well, Jesus, who being in the form of God, Philippians 2, 6, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Well, somebody said, well, that sounds like two, to be equal with God. But yet we know that God, no one's equal with God except God himself. And there's many attributes of God. And each of the attributes are speaking, are attributed to as personages with a personality, a person. For example, in Proverbs 8, it says, I wisdom was daily his delights. Well, his, that's God Almighty, daily his delights, but yet God is wisdom. But he mentions each one of his attributes in a first person singular pronoun. I, wisdom, was daily his delight. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. Prudence being another attribute of the Spirit of God. And uh, with me is understanding. With me, God, is understanding. We see that each of the attributes of God is declared as a person. There, I wisdom. I daily was his delight. I dwell with prudence. I, with me is understanding. In Proverbs 8, as he singles out these attributes being separate, standing on its own, but simply is an attribute of that one spirit. When we say God is love, love is an attribute of God. That love, there is wisdom, but yet it's a different attribute. I can have love, and love, uh, 
a person or a thing and yet have no wisdom whatsoever. It's a separate attribute. Same way with understanding and prudence. Peace. There, God is peace. He is the Jehovah Shalom. But he can be the God of peace, and yet there would be no wisdom. So when God said in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our own image. There, those are plural personal pronouns. Let us make man in our own image. And someone said, well, that's like a king speaking collectively we when dressing his subjects. No. The Hebrew does not do. We're talking about attributes of God. Let us make man in our own image, us and our plural personal pronouns. And we read verse 1, uh, Genesis 1, verse 27, the very next verse. So God made man in his own image, singular personal pronoun. Male and female created he them. He them, another singular personal pronoun. And we'll find that when he says Elohim, which is the in being a plural of Elohim, that we'll find it followed with a singular verb. God is. Well, the Lord, he is God. God is the Lord. The Elohim is Jehovah. But there are many attributes of that one spirit. And each one of these offices are functions of the spirit. The Father is that administrative office of that one spirit. There's three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. We are told that that is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, three persons in the Godhead. Following the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. in the Nicene Creed, saying there are three persons in the Godhead, which... The Word of God says there's only one person. And Jesus is the express image of His singular one person. Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 3. The express image. You want to see God? He is the seen, manifest image of God. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The words that I speak are not mine. The Father that dwelleth in me houses permanently in me. He's the one doing the works. Therefore, Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16 But then we have some problems uh, there if we think that these offices are persons. And we're going to see that in some scriptures in Hebrews 1 as well as 1 Corinthians 15. And hopefully we'll clear that up. Remember, there's only one spirit that cannot be divided. One spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God 
above all, the Father of us all and in us all. That Father's administrative office of that one Spirit of God. And what the Holy Ghost hears, he'll declare it unto you. And he'll speak of me, Jesus said. For all that the Father's given is given unto me. Well, we have various offices working there. Only one Spirit. Somebody said, well, well, why would God do that? Well, because no one's seen God at any time and lived. Because of His holiness. God is holy. And flesh and blood cannot inherit that kingdom of God. Can't enter into it. The flesh in that fallen state and that depraved human nature, the fleshly desires of that flesh cannot go before a holy God without being consumed. So therefore, no man has seen God at any time and lived because of his holiness. He is holy. He doesn't want to break forth upon any flesh. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That only begotten son is the only begotten God. It's a monogamous theos. It's a monogamous heos. One and the same. Because the only begotten God, God begot himself. A body of flesh and blood. We find that in Isaiah 43.10. Thus saith the Lord, Lord Jehovah God Almighty, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand. I am he. God is that servant. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. See now that I, even I, am God, thy Savior, the Lord, thy Redeemer, and beside me, beside me and around me, there is no other God. So there's only one God. You believe in one God, you do well. The devils believe and tremble when they saw Jesus, the Son of God. They say, we know thee. We know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. They believe and tremble. But they're not saved. So we're talking about the very offices of the Spirit of God. That God did and formed himself a body of flesh and blood for our redemption to redeem us that were under the law. The law was given that sin might appear exceedingly sinful. But by the works of the law, no flesh shall be saved. The law is holy. The law is righteous. Yet, we're weak in the flesh. And what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. We think the Father and the Son are two different entities. It's the same spirit that is the main essence in truth and the intrinsic spirit of God that he is that one spirit. That spirit, the Father and the Son are one in the self, same spirit. John 10, 30, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Heis, not whom, not a union. With very self same spirit. The difference is the Father's invisible spirit of God. The Son is the manifest spirit revealed, the spirit revealed. 
God manifest that I him came grace and truth. Law came by Moses. In him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians 2.9. Somebody said, but that's just a part of God. No. Because there's a mystery of God and the Father and of Christ. Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. In whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So what we're saying is there is but one Spirit of God. But that Spirit of God, he made various offices of his one Spirit so that he could work salvation in and of himself alone. Knowing that no man can see God at any time and live because we are under the law with a depraved nature and this flesh is an enemy of God and God's an enemy of the flesh. Therefore, how is he going to save us? By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world and death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. Who is that servant? Who is that man? Who is the man, Christ Jesus? Well, they say, well, it's not God. Because God is not a man that he should repent. Uh, God is not a man that he should lie. The son of man he should repent. God is not a man. And they stop there. No. Not a man that can lie. The son of man that should repent. Tells you what kind of man he is not. God is a man of war. And he fought those battles. As in Mount Perizim. And Gibeon. The Lord will be wroth as in that valley when he fought in the day of battle. When he arises to his work, a strange work. Well, it was God himself, not an angelic host. God himself rained stones and hailstones from heaven against Adonazadek there when Joshua fought against the kings in Canaan. That was God himself. He is a man of war. That man is not a human, a man encased in a humus body, in a dirt body, but man in the, in the supreme sense is God, the Spirit of God. We see that in John 3.13. No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven, has nothing to do with flesh and blood. We see the same thing again in John 8, 13. When the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you bear record of yourself. Your record is not true. Jesus said, though I bear record of myself, my record is true because I'm not alone. I'm one that bear record of myself and my father that sent me, he beareth record of me. Then he said, it's written in your law the testimony. Now we're going to the testimony of Jesus, that spirit of prophecy. Jesus said, it is written in your law, the testimony of two men is true. I am one that beareth witness. There's one witness. I am one that beareth witness of myself. There it is in the body of flesh and blood. And my father that sent me. He beareth witness of me. He is that other man. He is that spirit 
He is that man. Then the Pharisees ask, where is your father? Not realizing that the father is the invisible spirit of God, the administrative office of the spirit that leads and guides in all things, the sovereignty and providence of God in all things. They didn't know it. They said, Pharisees said to Jesus, where is your father? John 8. Jesus said, if you had known me, you should have known my father also. You're from beneath, I'm from above. You're of this world, I'm not of this world. Moreover, Jesus spake these words in the treasury. No man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. And Jesus said, I go my way, and whether I go, you cannot come. They said, whether will he go? Will he kill himself? Because he said, whether I go, you cannot come. Certainly he's going to kill himself. Notice that Jesus said, except you believe, John 8, 24, that I am he, the Father, you shall die in your sins. This they understood not, that he spake to them of the Father. They don't understand it today. There is no trinity. No trinity will be sealed. No binitarian, binary, tunis, father and a son being different, will be sealed. No oneness that believes the man Jesus is not God, but he's sitting on the right hand of God, and God is still in the man, reconciling the world unto himself. No, God was in Christ in the days of his flesh, reconciling the world unto himself. But the oneness doctrine states that sometimes he spake as a man, other times he spake as God and the God-man, which is a Chalcedonian definition in 451 of the God-man, which is also dividing the spirit of God that the man is not God and therefore is heresy. The only true Jesus is that he has always been God, he always will be God. He's not an eternal son. He is the eternal father. We find that in Isaiah 9.6. In Isaiah 9.5, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall rest upon his shoulder. Not shoulders, plural, but shoulder. That government is the cross. That cross rests upon Jesus' shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, full of wonder, only used of deity, God himself. Counselor, the mighty God, not the mighty Son of God, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Notice, not the everlasting Son, the everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who is this everlasting Father? The child that is born, the son that is given. The one with the government rests upon his shoulder. Jesus Christ. That arm, trust not in the arm of flesh. God prepared himself a body of flesh and blood. It was his own body. He didn't call it father. That's the son. For the son is the father revealed. But there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. 
but the end thereof are the ways of death. We think the Father and the Son are two different persons. Then we have uh, now split the Spirit of God. To understand the Son of God, the Son of God is uh, the Father revealed. But there's a time where it says in the days of his flesh. That's the Christ. Now we have to understand Christ, which is every office of the Spirit is Christ. Christ is all. He is the Father. He is the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. He is the Son of God. He is uh, the Son of Man. We find that in Matthew 16. When Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Isaiah, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. Then Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say I am? That I am is present, past, and future. The same yesterday, today, and forever. That is, I was who I always was. I am who I will always am right now. And I will be all that I will be forever. I am that. I am past, present, and future. And that is what he asked his disciples. Who do you say? Jesus' own disciples. Who do you say that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Christ? This is the Christ. This is the Messiah. This is Hamashiach. This is the Christ that should come into the world, which is God with us, Emmanuel. Who is this Christ? It's born in the city of David, Christ the Lord, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, Emmanuel, God with us. Not God Jr. with us, not Son of God with us, but God with us. Somebody said, I don't understand the difference. Well, it is imperative in essence, in essential, that we understand God's essence of who he is. We must know that he is the Father. Because Jesus said in John 8, 24, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. We have to know who Christ is because it says in 1 John 5, verse 1, whosoever whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That revelation is essential for salvation. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. What is Christ? 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11 that the Old Testament prophets, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all the way to Malachi, searched diligently into the grace that should come to us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of Christ that was in them. Christ is that Spirit, always has been that Spirit, always will be that Spirit. When it spoke beforehand of the sufferings of Christ. Christ is not Christ Jr. That Christ is Christ, one and the self-same Spirit. That Spirit of Christ that was in Samuel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. 
all the way to Malachi. That spirit is Christ. Peter tells us that. He told us that in Matthew 16. He told us that in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. That revelation of Christ at first, he is God. He always has been God. He is that spirit. God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Christ is that spirit. Well, Christ, Jesus is the Christ. He is that God. He is that spirit. But it prophesied beforehand of the sufferings of Christ. Now, Christ, that spirit is revealed. We can see him. We can talk with him. In 1 John 1, it says of this word of life that we have touched, seen, and handled of the word of life. God manifests in the flesh. But somebody said, well, if that's true and it's not another person then why did Jesus pray to the Father? And that's where the revelation comes in. Because Christ, who is that spirit, will make himself a body of flesh and blood. Christ, uh, that Messiah, the man who is God, manifests in the flesh. Not a a separate God, not a God Jr., not a Jehovah Jr., but that God manifests an expressed image of the Father being one and the self-same Spirit. The only difference is He's manifest now in a body of flesh and blood. And we have that in Isaiah 43.10. Who is a servant? How does God work salvation in and of Himself? Well, He can't do it as Spirit. He can't stay in the office of the Father because nobody seek God at any time and live. So He has to work salvation somehow. And he has to have a man. Because in Romans 5, by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world and death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. As the offenses of one, so also it's a free gift. A man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. God is spirit. He has no flesh and blood. And the law was given that sin might appear exceedingly sinful and the law demanded blood without the shedding of blood. There's no remission of sins. The law had to be fulfilled. It requires death. God can't die. God can't be tempted. He looks for a man. God said he looked for a man. He was amazed. He could find none. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation unto myself. And God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. What's another way to state that? Christ the Spirit, was in Christ, the man, redeeming the world back into himself, Christ. But Christ is God. That's exactly right. So God, that is, was in Christ, because God is Christ. And I can say Christ was in Christ, reconciling the world into Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. God was in God. God was in the days of his flesh, was in Christ, the man Christ Jesus. Well, how did he do that? Philippians 2, 5 through 8 tells us that this mind be in you, 
which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, Morpha. Now that is an eternal state. Morpha. It is a form and it is eternal. Jesus, who being in the form of God. God is a spirit. Jesus is in the form of spirit. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why? Because he is all the attributes of God manifest. He is the word. The word's equal with God. Wisdom's equal with God. Power's equal with God. Understanding's equal with God. Wisdom's equal with God. Every one of God's attributes are equal in God. But no one's equal with God except God himself. But he has many attributes. He has attributes from Allah to the Tav, to the Alpha, to the Omega, from the A all the way to the Z. And every one of those attributes make up that majesty, God himself. One spirit, many attributes. What we don't want to do is call the attributes persons. Because then, from the Allah to the, twi- to the Tav, we'd have 22 different persons in the Godhead. <laughs> Boy, what confusion would that be? But each of those are his attributes. So when God said, let us make man in our image, so God made man in his, singular personal pronoun, own image, male and female, created he, them. That means that each of the attributes, when God said, let us, he, have, he addressed each of his attributes. Love came forward. Wisdom came forward. Understanding came forward. Prudence came forward. Each one of the attributes of God came forward. And if they hadn't, then Adam would not have been able to love. Adam would not be able to have peace. Adam would not be able to have joy. Adam would not be able to have wisdom, understanding, prudence, knowledge, etc. Those attributes came forward and there was made in the image of God. So God made man in his. All those attributes made up but one spirit. Male and female created he, them. Singular personal pronoun. Not God speaking to the Father speaking to the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's ludicrous. Now you've divided the spirit in three persons and now all of a sudden we've lost the revelation that Jesus is the Father and that if we do not believe that the Son of God is the Father, in John 8, 24, we shall die in our sins. That is an essential revelation. Except you believe that I am He, the Father of glory, you shall die in your sins. Whosoever whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, the Spirit, who was manifest in flesh, is born of God. 1 John 5, 1. He is that spirit. He's the Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. The Lord is that spirit. Everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is that spirit. The Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of the Father, not to the glory of the Son. He went to the glory of the Father, glorified for the Father's own self. 
Why? Because he had to become a man. He had to have a man made in under the law. Well, that's going to require God putting a self-imposed limitation, making himself of no glory. And that's the only way that he can be made in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. It's his word that will be made flesh. Isaiah 43.10 tells us how. Isaiah 53.1 says, To whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Where's that flesh? God's own flesh, blood, body. Isaiah 43.10 says, Thus saith the Lord, the Lord Jehovah, God Almighty, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's the Lord Jehovah, God Almighty, the Spirit of God, and my servant whom I've chosen. Sounds like two. But you may know and believe me and understand. Believe God. Don't believe what seems right to a man. Believe God. That you may know, believe me and understand that I am he. The Lord is that servant. And he tells you, before me, there was no God formed. Neither shall be after me. How did God formed himself a body of flesh and blood? Why? Not for him, but for us. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. How? Galatians 4 verse 4 tells us how. Made of a woman. Not spirit. Father speaking to spirit. Junior. Go down and die for the sin of the world. It's not in there. Why? Because it doesn't exist. Well, then how did God send forth his son? He sent forth his word. God said. And the word was made flesh. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman. How did that happen? Well, Gabriel came down and said, Hail thou greatly favored of God to Mary. Said, You're going to bear a son, little S-O-N. He shall be called the Son of the Highest, capital S-O-N. She said, how can this be, seeing that I know not a man? You see, a woman only has X chromosomes. She can only yield a female. The male here there, however, has an X and Y chromosome. If the male there in that formation of that egg in and in a fetus the man, male, furnishes a Y chromosome, it will be a male child. The male can literally constitutes or uh, gives the gender of the child, whether it's going to be male or female, by the chromosome X or Y. If the male gives a Y chromosome, it'll be a male. An X chromosome, it'll be a female. The female only has an XX chromosome. Well, the question now is, she didn't know a man, it's a virgin birth, then where does the white chromosome come from? And that is, that which is born of Mary is of, that conceived in her, is of the Holy Ghost. That conception is of the Holy Ghost. For the Most High shall overshadow thee, not natural sex, but the word. The word has to be in agreement. When we agree with that word, 
and we believe it, automatically that word takes effect in our life. All things are possible to him that believe. Mary said unto there, how can this thing be? I know not a man. She didn't doubt a 14-year-old handmaid in Israel. How can this thing be? I know not a man. He said, the most high will overshadow you. And you will bring forth a son, a little S-O-N. There's a child. And he shall be called the son of the highest, capital S-O-N. And he will save his people from their sins. She said, she still wasn't pregnant yet. Nothing was conceived yet. But the word had to be conceived. She said, be it unto thine handmaid according to thy word. The word of God. As soon as she said that, she was impregnated. And she was with child. That is of the Holy Ghost. Where did the white chromosome come from? From God. Was it a body of flesh and blood under the law? Yes. Just like you and just like me. We find that in Hebrews 2, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, God himself also, likewise took part of the same. That in all things he, God, was made like unto his brethren. Hebrews 4.15 says Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Now, how can he be tempted? God can't be tempted. Well, now he can because he has a body of flesh and blood that is him, himself. God manifests in the flesh. What are we going to call this? The Son of God. He is the everlasting Father, Isaiah 9.6 revealed. That's a mystery of godliness. 1 Timothy 3.16, God was manifest in the flesh. Not the Son of God. God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the Spirit. Seen of angels. Preaching to the Gentiles. That seen of his right. Received up into glory. 1 Timothy 3.16, who was? God was. That is God manifest in the flesh, not Son of God manifest in the flesh, because the Son of God will come into being with two components. Number one, the Spirit of God without measure. Number two, in a body of flesh and blood. There's your two components. The Son of God is the Father revealed. The image of the invisible God. The express image of his singular person. Now, as we get into that office, the Son of God is the redemption office of that same Spirit. The Father revealed. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The words that I speak are not mine. The Father that dwelleth in me houses permanently in me. He's the one doing the works. And if I, with a finger of God, cast out devils, know the kingdom of God's come down to you. Believe me for the work's sake. What? Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils, open blind eyes, loose the dumb tongue, lame walk, captive, went free. Blessed he whomsoever is not offended in me, Jesus said. It's the Father doing the works. Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. I'm an ordinary flesh and blood, just like you, made none of the law. He, that is exactly Galatians 4, verse 4. God sent forth his son, how? Made of a woman, overshadowed by the Most High. 
of the Holy Ghost, made in under the law, not above it, and Adam after the fall. That is an eternal office, Son of God. But the Son of God will have a humiliation, God humiliated, making himself of no reputation, empty and out of glory, made void his glory, put a self-imposed limitation upon himself, not to work his spirit, made himself of no reputation. That spirit made himself of no reputation. And he took upon him, that same spirit, the form of a servant. Who is that servant? God said, I am that servant. Isaiah 4, 3, 10. Thus saith the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, and my servant whom I have chosen. That servant is the revealed God. He is God manifest in that flesh. That you may know and believe me and understand. Understand that revelation of Christ. That Christ is that spirit who made himself a body of flesh and blood. Not another Christ. Not another spirit. For that man is God. Always has been God and always will be God. But he's made in under the law. Why? For us, to redeem us, they were under the law. Galatians 4, verse 4. So even though God has come in the flesh, the law is still there. That wall of partition still is dividing God from mankind, even though that's his own body of flesh and blood. What does God do? He makes himself of no reputation, not working his spirit, but only to work as a man. That's God's own flesh. But he's made himself a spirit of no reputation. When you get that revelation in Philippians 2, 6, you know how God works salvation in and of himself as the Christ who was manifest for the sufferings of Christ and then died and entered in back into his glory, glorified with the Father's own self. These are eternal offices. Why? Not for him, for us, to bring us into the fullness of his measure, of his stature, that we can have fellowship with the Father. To do that, he has the Father office. That's the administrative office of the Spirit. The Word is the expression office of that same Spirit, not a different one. The Word is the thought. It's the Logos, the thought, plan, purpose, and will of God. That thought, plan, purpose, and will of God is not only his thought, his purpose, it's his will, it's his plan. And it's only through that word that we can understand these things by faith. And that word, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by him. By him, yes. Colossians 1 26, 27, all things were made by Jesus Christ for him and for his good pleasure. My goodness. That is Christ. All things made by him. And it says so in the beginning, the word was with God, the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by him for him and for his good pleasure. And without him was anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That that word was with God, was God, is God, always has been God. But that's his logos, thought, plan, purpose, and will. What's the word? 
The word is the spirit and spoken. Word and action. Dynamic. And God said, let there be light. And God said, there, separate the day from the night. And God said, and he created. And it was good. Every time God said, that was the word creating. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. How? By his word. He spoke it, and there it is, in existence. Well, who is that word? It's God. Well, is it the Father? Yes, it's the Father. But we find there's three different attributes there in creation. Isaiah 44, 24 tells you. He created the heaven by his power, earth, understanding, and uh, uh, there in his faith, power, and understanding. Power of God, understanding of God, uh, there in the wisdom of God. Wisdom, power, and understanding. Three different attributes. Which is our faith in that word. We don't believe it's just a big bang theory and some evolution. Because God said it, that settled it. In Isaiah 44, 24, span the heaven by his wisdom, the earth by his power, wisdom, power, and his understanding. Well, that's three different attributes, but it's still one God. The power of God, the wisdom of God, the understanding of God. Jeremiah 51, 15 says the same thing, giving us those three attributes. That word is the same spirit as the Father, not a different spirit. Somebody said, well, the, the word is the Son. No, the word is the Logos. The word is spirit. The word is life. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The Son of God is the word made flesh. Two now components. The word, the spirit. Two in a body of flesh and blood. Now the word made flesh. Now we beheld his glory as the only begotten Son of God. The begotten Son of God is the spirit manifest in a body of flesh and blood. The word made flesh. We behold his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The only begotten Son is the monogamous Huos, which is the same in many uh, transcripts it's going to have monogamous Theos, the only begotten God. Yes, because God begot himself a body of flesh and blood. You have that in Philippians 2 6. You have that in Isaiah 43 10. Yeah, that's Isaiah 53, 1. But who? To whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? I'm saying this now because God is revealing more in the last days than what he's ever done before. Why? Because the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. That means the more we live and the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the greater the glory that he's going to reveal and he's doing it now. The true Jesus, the real Jesus. That he is God manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16 That he is in the days of his flesh one of us made in under the law to fulfill the law. So therefore, God, spirit, makes himself of no reputation. It's latent, it's not moving his spirit. Why? Because a man lost it. Only a man of Adam, after the fall, can redeem us back. And it must be... This man must be tried in all areas of the law. In every facet of the law. And tried in every point. 
and yet not sin. To be the spotless, blameless Lamb of God and then have the right to offer himself as a free will sacrifice. No man taking it from him and no man literally uh, forcing him to do it. He's going to freely, a free will sacrifice, freely lay down his life. He has power to lay it down. He has power to take it up again. What? Yes, Jesus said in John, destroy this temple, that is of his body, the nails, and in three days I will raise it up. You will raise up your own body? Jesus did that. He said, I have power to lay it down. I have power to receive it again. This I have received of my Father as a man, not as a God-man, as a man. He's working salvation as a man. He walks on the water as a man. He suffers as a man. Why? Because the Spirit has made itself of no reputation, emptied out of glory, made void, a self-imposed limitation that the law... That's that middle wall of partition is parting God from all mankind. And God has made himself a man just like us, like one of his brethren in under the law. Tempted all points like as we are, yet without sin. He was 415. Therefore, as a man, he's got to fulfill that law. That law is going to have specific things that have to be done. Number one, He's got to grow in favor with God and man. He has to daily make the word of God his delight as a man, not as God, but as a man. He didn't wake up one morning when he was born and said, Boop, I'm God, so I know all things. No, he has to grow in favor. That word of God has to be daily his delights. He's showing us the way, the truth, and life as a man, our example, in our stead showing us how we are to overcome the devil, the world, and our own flesh. To overcome in all things. There, Jesus, the law states that a high priest cannot take his office until age 30, Numbers 4. Well, Jesus as a man, not as God, but as a man, he's working salvation as a man, made himself of no reputation. That's a kenosis. Kano means totally made void and emptied out. Not some reputation, no reputation. Taking upon him the form of a servant made in the likeness of man. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbles himself. That's a humiliation, the humbling of God himself. To become a man, he that was rich became poor. He's going to fulfill the law as a man. He looked for one, he couldn't find one. Therefore, God formed himself a body of flesh and blood. Isaiah 43.10. He is our Savior. He's our Redeemer. But he formed himself a body of flesh and blood. He took on him the form of a servant. But that servant is only going to work as a man, not as a God-man, as a man. And there, he's not ceasing to cease from being God. It's a self-opposed limitation. As long as he does not work his spirit, if he works spirit, then he cannot fulfill that law. Because it said, be you perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And Jesus is tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. He can't expect you and I to be perfect if he's working as God. 
He's working as a man through the Spirit of God, just like we are working now through that Spirit. Those that have the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's showing us the way, the truth, and life. Right there, Jesus has the Spirit of God without measure when he's born from the womb. Yet, it's inactive. It's latent. Why? Because he's fulfilling the law as a man, making himself, God himself, of no reputation. Philippians 2, 6. So he's fulfilling the law as a man. That law says a high priest doesn't take his office until age 30. Jesus can't begin his ministry as our high priest until age 30, after the order of Melchizedek. Numbers 4 states that. Well, at age 30, about the time of 30, he goes down to be baptized of John and Jordan. And John says, Jesus said to John to baptize me. He said, I have need to be baptized of you. Who shoe latches, I'm not worthy. So I stoop down and unloose. Jesus said, suffer to be so to fulfill all righteousness. At this time, the spirit of God is latent. He's kept working as our high priest. He's healing nobody. He's beginning his ministry at age 30 to fulfill his own law as a man of flesh and blood under that law. Galatians 4, verse 4. Then, the high priest in the natural Levitical priesthood would do three things for his son to take over the high priesthood. Number one, he would anoint him with oil. Number two, lay hands on him. Number three, would speak over him. Thou art a high priest in my stead. The high priest, because of death, would leave and now the high priest's duties would go to his son. But Jesus will be made a priest after the order of Melchizedek. It's going to be a change in priesthood. Not of the tribe of Levi, but of the tribe of Judah, which nothing was said according to the priesthood. Paul tells us in the book of Hebrews, and our Lord sprang out of Judah, of whom nothing of the priesthood was spoken. There Three things had to be done. Number one is going to be a transfer of the Levitical priesthood of Aaron unto that of Jesus after the order of Melchizedek, at the Son of God. Well, he's fulfilling the law. He can't take the priesthood until age 30, but he has to be there, the baptized of John and Jordan. He has to literally take that office at age 30 of the high priest transferring, and he has to have Levitical priesthood do it. So here comes John the Baptist of the course of, of his father Zechariah, of the course of Abijah, of the Aaronic priesthood under Levi. And he baptizes Jesus. Number one, he lays hands on him. Number two, puts him under the water. Number three, he does not speak over him. A voice comes from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. Straightway Jesus comes up out of the water. A dove ascends from heaven, descends from heaven, and goes and lands on Jesus in uh, the Holy Ghost in the form of a dove. That means that that latent spirit has just come now where now it's going to be working in Jesus. As Jesus fasts and prays and shows us the way, the Spirit of God will move. Is he baptized of the Holy Ghost? No, he is the Holy Ghost. He's always had that and always been that Spirit, but he made it of no reputation so that he could work on our half and fulfilling his own law as a man, 
not as a God-man. He's made his spirit of no reputation to work only as a man. And he's taken on him the form of a servant. That form of a servant is Morpha. It is an eternal office. That son of God is an eternal office of the spirit. The word is an eternal office of the spirit and the logos, the thought, plan, purpose, and will of God. The Holy Ghost is a permanent office of the spirit in the power office. And you shall receive power and that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses of me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the most parts of the earth, of the world. Acts 1 8. So therefore, we have many offices. The Son of God is the redemption office of that same Spirit. He makes himself of no reputation, lays aside his glory, no reputation, takes on him the form of a servant, made in under the law, to fulfill those, to, to redeem us that were under the law, to fulfill that law. He's doing it as a man. Not as a God-man, as a man. He's going to suffer as a man. He's going to walk on the water as a man. Peter walked on the water through faith. He wasn't God. Jesus walked on the water as a man. There, Jesus will grow in faith with God and man. And then at age 30, the heavens are going to be open to him after he's taken on uh, that order of the priesthood after Melchizedek literally transferred from John the Baptist to Jesus. Heavens were open. A dove came down. The Holy Ghost in the shape of a dove abides on Jesus. Thou art my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The voice coming from heaven. Why? Showing that this is John the Baptist. That is the man. That is mine anointed. That is the Son of God. This is the one that I said would come. There's your sign. And Jesus there as a man immediately. Heavens were open to him. All that was there immediately for the Son of God. And immediately the Spirit drave Jesus into the wilderness there to be tempted of Satan. Well, you think he would go there and put part in putting chariots and having people run before him. Here's the son of God. No, he's going to be tempted of Satan in his spirit, soul, and human body of flesh and blood. He's going to use Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 9. It is written to overcome, showing us that we overcome through the word. He is our way, truth, and life. Everything he does, there he does as a man, there showing us and redeeming his own body of flesh and blood back to himself. The law is still there. So God's working salvation through his own body of flesh and blood. A man and under that law. Because a man lost it, only a man can redeem us back. Therefore, during that, Jesus is a man. The Spirit now just begins to come to operation through that of the Holy Ghost becomes their work and work in him for because of the law, not because of who he is or not, because of the law. He can take that priesthood now, start working as our high priest on our behalf through that spirit. And as he does, just like the high priest would work through the spirit and the king would work through the that spirit and the prophet will work through that spirit 
Now Jesus is working through that spirit, but God does not give him the spirit by measure from the womb. But it can't work because he's fulfilling the law as a man, tempted at all points like as we are. When you understand that, that God made himself of no reputation, no glory, just like in Leviticus 16, the high priest on the day of atonement, when he's going to make sacrifice for the people and atonement for them, he takes off his garments of glory and beauty and lays them in the sanctuary, the holy place, and puts on him the linen garments, the linen breeches, the linen mitre. He becomes one with the people out there. He takes off his garments of glory and beauty. And on that day of atonement, on the Yom Kippur, he has, he has made himself one with the people, taking off his garments of glory and beauty and putting on the linen garments. Your Lord Jesus did the same for you and me. He laid aside his glory, made himself with no reputation, Philippians 2, 6, took upon him the form of a servant. Now he's going to work as our own sacrifice. After the high priest in the Old Testament, the Levitical priesthood, the high priest, made all the sacrifices on that day of atonement. After it was all completed, and the two goats, and go for Azazel, after everything, uh, the blood uh, sprinkled before the mercy seat seven times, after everything was done and completed, then the high priest came out of the most holy place, takes off his garments, those linen garments, that he was one with the people, and lays them aside, never to be worn again and takes back on his garments of glory and beauty. The Lord did the same. He laid aside his glory to be a man to work salvation, fulfill that law as a man. After he completed it and fulfilled that law in every aspect of that law, then he's going to take back his glory. All that glory that he laid aside to become a man, he's going to take it all back. That's the reason the Son of Man Jesus said before Pilate, What and if you shall see, the Son of Man ascend back up to where he was before. Why? Because he is God, always has been God. He just put a self-imposed limitation upon himself to work as a man. And as he's fulfilling the law as a man, that law is still there and he has to pray to the Father. That middle wall of partition, the wall, the law is still there. So, the Son of God, in our stead, a man under the law, fulfilling the law as a man, taking his ministry at age 30 because the law states that the high priest takes his office at age 30, and Jesus, as that man, our high priest, must obey that law. He has to fulfill that law in every aspect, every area of that law, and be found blameless, being tempted at all points of it, and yet be found blameless, spotless, blameless Lamb of God in order to offer himself as a free will sacrifice, as a burnt offering. There, the Spirit of God can only move through Jesus according to that law as he crucifies the flesh. And the more that Jesus learned obedience through the things which he suffered, make the captain of our salvation perfect through sufferings, shows us the way that we must do it also. 
Whosoever seek to save his life will lose it. Whosoever will lose it for the gospel's sake, the same shall find it. Jesus is fulfilling the law as a man. The law is still there. It's a middle wall of partition, parting God from all mankind. Even though God is manifest in that flesh, but he's made himself of no reputation. And only when that man fasts and prays and suffers and is crucified the flesh does that spirit and manifest itself through the flesh. There, Jesus, the wall of partition is still there. That law of the ordinances is still there. Jesus has to pray to the Father. He's in our stead. Father, glorify thou me. The Father says, I've glorified you. I'm, I'm raising you higher and higher in glory, glorifying you all the way back to me. I've glorified you, and I will glorify you again. In the days of his flesh, Jesus said, my Father is greater than I. Why? Because he is emptied out of glory to work as a man. Made of no reputation to work as a man. The things concerning me, Jesus said, have an end. There's no end to God. But remember now, God has made himself of no reputation to take on the form of a servant made in the likeness of man and under the law. So he's fulfilling the law as a man. Not as a God-man. That's a lie. As a man. He's glorifying his own human back to himself. When you see that, now you've got the revelation of Christ. As you have been taught Christ, stand steadfast in him. As you have received Christ. What the devil fights against is that in lieu of Christ giving you something else. A second person of the Godhead. God didn't do it. He's not the Father. He didn't do it. The Son did it who came down. No. The Father did it in the days of his flesh. God himself. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's the reason why. Jesus, watch him as he's glorifying his own human back to himself. He'll say, Father, glorify thou me. I have glorified you, I'll glorify you again. He's fulfilling the law as a man. The more he fills that fulfills the law, the more he suffers in the flesh, the more the Spirit of God will manifest itself through the man Christ Jesus, the Son of God, the Father revealed, showing us the way, the truth, and the life. When Jesus has fulfilled that law in every aspect, in every area of the law, then he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Even in his miracles that he does, it's all progressive. That takes a couple of hours to go through. He starts off with the marriage of Cana of Galilee. And he turns the water into wine. Each miracle is a redemption miracle. Showing us the way, the truth, and the life. There have done Jesus even raising the dead. When we have Jairus' daughter, she's been dead a couple of hours. Jairus there seeks for Jesus to raise his daughter from the dead. Jesus takes his ones up there, those ones that were uh, mourning, and puts them out and says, Daughter, I say unto thee, arise. He raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. Been dead a couple of hours. Now notice the glory goes higher. He sees a funeral procession. And as that procession is coming by, he sees a widow and has compassion on the widow because she has lost her only son is dead. 
He has compassion on her. He stops the funeral procession, goes over to the bier, to the coffin, and says, Son, I say unto thee, arise. And presents him alive to his mother. Been dead a couple of days. Now, from a couple of hours to a couple of days. Now, he goes to Lazarus. Been dead four days. By this time, he stinketh. See how it progresses. Every miracle is progressing greater and greater in glory. Lazarus been dead four days. Lazarus, come forth. And raise from that. Take those, the the clothes, the bond clothing off of him, the grave clothes, and set him free. There, Jesus has fulfilled all the law. He's worked the works of God with the devil. With the finger of God, he's cast out the devils. The kingdom of God's come nigh unto there. He's manifest in the earth. Jesus has not sinned in his human spirit, rational soul, or his human body. Perfect, spotless, blameless Lamb of God. He's going to Gethsemane to pray. John 17, O Holy Father, glorify thou me, the man Christ Jesus, with the glory, with that, with that same glory that I had with you before. Notice in John 17, 5, Jesus says, O Holy Father, glorify thou me with thine own self. In other words, the law's still there. He's got to fulfill that law by the shedding of his blood to break down that middle wall of partition. That wall's still there. Even though he has fulfilled that law in every aspect, he still has not shed his blood, his holy, righteous, blameless blood. He says, O Holy Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory I had with you before the world was. All that glory that I made myself of no reputation, I want all that glory back of the Father's own self. Not the Son, the Father's own self. The Son is the Father revealed in this body of flesh, but he wants all the glory back. He put it off to be a man. Now he wants it all back to the fullness of the glory of the Father. Jesus is dying on the cross. And as he dies, he said, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit, a human spirit. He gave up the ghost. That spirit of the man went to the Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. Gave up the ghost. There Jesus died. There, that veil, that is to say his flesh, Hebrews 10, rent from top to bottom. 30 foot high, 3 foot wide in Herod's temple. It rent from top to bottom. Very important about this law that Ephesians tells us. Ephesians 2, also Colossians, tells us that Jesus took the ordinances of this law that separate God from man, separated them. There, that wall, that middle wall of partition, that was contrary to all mankind. We couldn't fulfill that law. That law in that that we were weak in the flesh, we could not, we could not perfect and be that perfect spotless blameless because what the law could not do and that it was weak in the flesh. We had to have the Son of God to fulfill that law in the flesh. There as a man he died. 
that man died. As he died, he took the ordinances of that law and nailed it, it says, Ephesians, Paul tells us, nailed that ordinances of that law to his cross that were contrary to us, contrary to us, and broke down that middle wall of partition, thereby of the twain, God and all mankind, making one new man. Who is that new man? Not a new spirit, a new man. Like what's that glory of that man? Glorified with the Father's own self, but to what glory? In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus comes out of the tomb, being declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead, that he is a spotless, blameless Lamb of God. He is the Son of God, declared by the resurrection from the dead, Romans 1, 3. And he says, coming out of the tomb, resurrected body, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That didn't leave the Father powerless. He's glorified with the Father's own self. All that the Father's given, he's glorified Jesus with his own self. That's the reason why in John 16 he said, now, before you ask the Father in my name, and I'll give it you. Now he said the time is coming when you will ask in my name. He said it in the days of his flesh. The time is coming that you will ask in my name and I'll say not that I'll pray the Father for you. Because now I'm with one of you I'm having to pray the Father for you. But then you ask in my name and I'll say not I'll pray the Father for you. Why? Because I've, God has glorified me with all heavenly glory, with, all, with his own self. He's glorified me with his own self. That God has glorified him. Therefore, we ask in the name Jesus. I don't say, Father, in the name of Jesus. I put him back before the cross. Because Jesus said, the time is coming when you'll ask me, and I say not, I'll pray the Father for you. Not going to be the, uh, that, that the intercessor is not a man sitting up at the right hand of God. Well, who is the intercessor? Romans 8, 23 through 26 tells you. No man knows how he ought to pray, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Spirit itself. Why? Because the man, Christ Jesus, is glorified with the Father's own self, and now how he glorified Jesus with the Holy Ghost. And it's sent. It's a promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me, it sent forth the Spirit of his Son. Galatians 4, verse 6. The Lord is that Spirit. God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, into our hearts whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Because the Spirit of the Son is the Spirit of the Father. One of the same, Galatians 4, 6. Acts 2, 36, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that same Jesus whom you crucified on that cross. God hath made him, that man, both Lord, that man is Lord, yes, Lord Jehovah God Almighty, and Christ, what's Christ? The Holy Ghost, which he has sent forth now. Jesus said, out of your bellies going to flow rivers of living waters. This he spake of the Holy Ghost. Was not yet given, 
Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. That man has to be glorified as our Savior, then send forth his Spirit, the Holy Ghost. While Jesus was in the world, he was one of us and made an under the law. He told the disciples, I'll pray the Father send you another comforter. Why? Because the law is still there. He's got to pray to the Father. But after that law is nailed to his cross and the ordinances of it, he said, you ask me and I'll give it to you. I'm not, I won't pray the Father for you because all that the Father's given is given unto me. John 16. Therefore, I said that you'd ask me. Just say the name of Jesus. All heaven and earth bows prostrate at the name Jesus. The name above every name. The name that has been exalted above the heavens. That literal name of Jesus is Jehovah is salvation, not Jehovah Junior. We believe in the name of the Son of God. Jehovah is salvation, not Jehovah Junior. No second person of the Godhead. Not a man sitting at the right hand of God. That's what he did for us. Where is Jesus? Revelation 3.21. If you overcome, I'll grant to sit with me in my throne. It's only one throne in heaven. That is what he did for us. Even as I overcame. Where did you go, Jesus? Even as I overcame and am set. S-E-T. I've always been God. I've always been that spirit of God. It's been settled, forever settled in heaven. I'm God. He is that spirit. So I overcame and am set. S-E-T. Not S-I-T. S-E-T down with the Father in. In his throne. Not beside it. Not around it. In it. All power in heaven and earth given unto him. So thou, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is that man Christ Jesus has been glorified with the Father's own self. There's why, that's why that you will see in 1 Timothy 6.15 that Jesus Christ, the blessed and only capital P potentate, almighty, he is the almighty, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God, Jesus Christ, the blessed and only potentate, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light, that fire of God, that consuming fire, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, nor see, nor, nor can see, no other man, no man. And we say, but God's a man, uh, a man? You got Jesus standing at the right hand of God and not sit down in that throne. You, When you get to heaven, there will not be three thrones. One for God the Father, one for God the Son, one for God the Holy Ghost. You won't see God. But if you see and you have the revelation of Jesus, he is a Christ, that he has sat down in the Father's throne. There's only one sitting on that throne, the throne of God, even of the Lamb. There's only one throne in heaven. And Jesus Christ is sitting on that throne. Not beside it, not around it, own it. Now you're getting the revelation of Christ. And that's what God is doing now for you to be sealed in Revelation 7. This word is coming. Somebody says, well, I've never heard that. Well, you have now. Check it out in the word of God. And when you do, he's going to bring you a higher glory than that. And the more glory you see till the final seven, Revelation 7 sealing in your forehead. Coming to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. Who is that man? Well, that first man, Adam, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 45. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. Well, who's that second Adam? That second man. 
that was made under the law. Who is he? Well, he fulfilled the law. He took the ordinance of it, the ordinances of that law that were contrary to us. He nailed it to his cross. He broke down that wall of partition, and he sat down with the Father in the throne. You won't see the Father? Look at Jesus. He is the Father of glory. You're saying the Son is the Father? I'm saying the Son is the Father revealed. Yes, it is. Son of Man is that kingdom office. The Word is Jesus Christ. And you'll see that in Revelation 19, 13, coming down as his name on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, Revelation 19, 13, and his vesture dipped in blood. Dipped in blood. Yeah, that's that man. That vesture dipped in blood. That vesture, that man of God dipped in blood, covered in blood on the cross. Shed his holy, righteous blood, every drop of it on the cross. For you and me. Who is he? His vesture dipped in blood and his name is called, invoked, the word of God. He's the word. He is the father. He is God. And there's not another. He is a blessed and only potentate. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is the only one having immortality. He is entered in the light which no man can approach unto nor see nor can see. 1 Timothy 3, uh, 6, 15 and 16. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty, Revelation 1, 8. There's not another God. And we have to confess him that he is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty to the glory of the Father, except that you believe that he is the Father, John 8, 24. You shall die in your sins. Now, there is a scripture I want to clear up there. Some of you have asked about and it's in Corinthians 15th chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, and it states there, then then cometh the end. If you look at first uh, uh, first Corinthians uh, 15, and it talks about then cometh the end, and every man in his own order, and uh, uh, look at verse, if you will, uh, verse 24. Now, remember, the offices of the Spirit are eternal. They're always there, not for God, but for us, so that we can go higher in glory, so that he can get us to the highest glory possible. And after the millennial, there'll be no temple. There will be no temple there that we have to still grow. We're going to see him face to face. Be no need of a temple there. The Lord God and the Lamb are the light, and there'll be no need of a temple. That's after the millennial. But look at verse 24, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. Well, somebody said, well, if he's delivered up the kingdom to God, then is he God? This is the Son of Man office, which is the kingdom office, which you and I are in. He is the head. We are the body of the Christ. He's delivering us up to the highest level of authority in the highest literal administrative office of the Spirit, the Father. So we can have the Father's name written on our forehead. So we can go higher in glory. We can't right now. We see the Father right now. If we have any sin in our life, we're going to die because he's holy. Then cometh the end when he, the Son of Man, that is everybody in the body of Christ that has come unto perfection, when he shall deliver up the kingdom, the kingdom 
which you have suffered for. See the charity of every one of you abandoned one toward another, and your faith groweth exceedingly, and all your persecution and tribulation that you have endured, which is the manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you might be accounted worthy of this kingdom, the kingdom of God, from which you also suffer. He's coming to that end, the end of the age, not the end of time, the end of the age, the eon. And then when he does, he delivered the kingdom to God, even the Father. That's a son of man delivering up to the Father. When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, the kingdoms, the kingdoms of this world becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, his whole body. For he must reign, who? Jesus Christ, and that uh, reign there in the, the earth right now. We're made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he must reign till he hath put all the enemies, all things, all enemies under his feet. Well, he's the head. We are the body of Christ. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. We are the feet generation under his feet. That's where the wicked will be ashes under the righteous feet in the day of the Lord. That's the day of the Lord, not anything before then. That's your Malachi, day of the Lord, that shall come and burn as an oven, and the wicked will be ashes of the righteous feet when the Son of righteous, Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Then the wicked will be ashes and under the, the righteous feet. That is what's happening here until all things are put under his feet. Now we go through a millennial, and the last enemy that will be destroyed after the millennial will be death. And he says, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So therefore, in the millennial, we'll still the millennial kingdom, 1,000-year reign with kings and priests reigning in the earth as a body of Christ, there will still be a temple there in Ezekiel's temple. It will not be under the law again, but it will be under the kingdom age, the kingdom of God. Some of us will be rulers over five cities, some over ten. Some will be Zadok, will be priests, and will minister unto the Lord God in the temple. Sons of Zadok. Righteous. This is the end. That is an eternal office. So we go on and read after the millennial. See, we're going higher and higher in glory. And it says, For he hath put all things under his feet. God did. Under his own feet and his own body of flesh. And now delivered all that he has saved to himself. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Then he said, but when he saith, all things are put under him. That's that son of God, son of man office. That son of man office will always be subservient to the father because that's us. We will never be God. We'll be sons and daughters of God, but we will not be God. He is. But the son of God is. He is the father. Of glory. He is the word. He is the Holy Ghost. He is God. He is the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God Almighty. But we're not. And that's the reason why, because we're in that son office. 
that we, that son office, will still be subject to the Father who hath put all things under him. That's an eternal office. That's not another person. Those are eternal offices, not for him, but for our sake, to get us to the highest glory possible. And he said, but when he saith all things are put under him, that is the son, it is manifest that he, the father, is accepted, which did put all things under him, the son, because we're in that son. Bone of his bone, flesh of flesh. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. He's got us to the highest glory if we have overcome and come into his image, into his likeness. And we have come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Then we have, and we have come to that point, delivering us up to God, even the Father. And when all things are subdued unto him, and remember that eternal office, then shall the Son, that's all of us in him, himself shall be subject unto him that put all things under him. Why? What's the whole reason for it all? That God may be all, through all, and in us all. He's doing this so we can get to the highest level of glory. Not him, he's always been God. But to get us there. And it's only in him, by him, and through Christ, through his work, that we are there to begin with. All life is in him, by him, and through him. No man cometh to the Father, but by him. And that's what that verse is. There's another one you ask about. In Hebrews, and in Hebrews it talks about thy to the Son he saith, thy throne, O God. Well, they said, if the Father is speaking to the Son, therefore God, even thy God, how can God be thy God? Well, one is the invisible spirit. The other is the spirit made visible. The Lord said unto my Lord. Well, there's only one Lord there. Therefore, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Well, the Lord said unto my Lord, but there's only one Lord. We know that. One body, one spirit, one Lord. But it sounds like there's two Lords. Therefore, God, even thy God, sounds like there's two. Therefore, the Lord said unto my Lord, and Jesus asked that question in Matthew 22, 42. They'd ask him, trying to, Pharisees trying to trip him up. Is it lawful to pay tribute to Caesar or not? Then the Sadducees, uh, all seven had a wife, whose wife shall she be therefore in the resurrection? And then Jesus said, I have a question for you. Matthew 22, 42. What think you of Christ? Do you have the revelation of Christ? What think you of Christ? Christ is the spirit. But Christ also in the days of his flesh was a man. But after he worked salvation in himself, he went back glorified and entered into his glory. Christ the Spirit, which is now in us. Jesus in us, Christ in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But in the days of his flesh, he was made in under the law as a man of like passions. He was our kin's man redeemer. So the Lord, Jesus said, what think you of Christ? Whose son is he? Little less than when. According to the flesh, whose son is he? They said, the son of David. Well, he is the son of David, according to the flesh. That is a true statement. But notice, Jesus said, then how then does David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, the Lord, 
capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Spirit of God, without any flesh and blood, the Spirit, said unto my Lord, that's a capital L, small O-R-D, Adon, A-D-O-W-N, the man who is God, but when he's speaking to him, he said, the Lord said unto my Lord, set thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. He said, if David in spirit calls him Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, the man who is God, how is he then his son? How is he just a, bl- a flesh and blood man? And they couldn't answer Jesus. Neither durst any man ask Jesus any more questions. You have to be able to answer that question. There's only one Lord. Well, how can it be two? The Lord said unto my Lord, because the Lord is that spirit invisible, God Almighty, the Father of glory, the Lord, the Holy Ghost. Said unto my Lord, my Lord is the Lord made flesh. God made flesh. And in the days of his flesh, he's in a humiliated state. And he has to pray to the Father. He has to work salvation as a man under the law. So the Lord said unto my Lord, my Lord, that is God manifest in the flesh, suffering on my behalf, emptied out of glory to work salvation as a man. That Lord said unto my Lord, set thou at my right hand. You have fulfilled the law. You have uh, uh, literally been that free will offering to sacrifice. The spotless, blameless lamb shed your blood. Now I'm going to glorify you back to the glory you had before with the Father's own self. Set thou at my right hand. That's not literally a place. It's dexios, a place of exaltation power. Well, God, going to heaven, I'm there. You're going to hell, I'm there. Where's the house you'll build me, David? Well, where's the right hand of God? Give me the longitude and latitude. It's not a place. It is an authority. Dexios. He does not use right hand as a hand. He uses the word dexios, D-E-X-I-O-S, which is a Greek word for literally authority, a glory that you have achieved. Set him at his own right hand. Glorified how high? How low did he go? He was one of us, made none of the law. How high did he go? The father's own self, not father junior, the father's own self. Now we're getting Christ. Now the father, that spirit that's in us, even the one God above, the father of all, who's above all and in us all. The father's in us all, yes. There's only one spirit. The spirit of the son, whereby we cry, have a father. Galatians 4, 6. There's only one spirit. Who is that? The Lord. Lord Jehovah God Almighty. The Lord is that spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Well, he says there in Hebrews, same thing. Therefore, and you say, just they have a begotten thee. And he said there in Hebrews, in Hebrews 1, verse uh to go, let's go to verse 7. And the angel, he said, who maketh his angel spirits, his ministers, flames of fire. Verse 8. This is your question. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God. This is God talking. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. 
Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, why would he say that? Why would the Lord say unto my Lord? Because it speaks of God in his humiliation, dying for you in his own body of flesh and blood, then going back to his former glory, glorified with the Father's own self. All that the Father's given, given unto me. Therefore, yes, the name Jesus, not Father, the name of Jesus. You ask in my name, and I say not, I'll pray the Father for you. For all that the Father's given is given unto me. Therefore, I said, you would ask in my name. John 16. Well, when we begin to understand that authority, we're not putting him back before the cross. We're putting him after the cross. Jesus. And all, when you speak that name, everything is prostrate at that name. All things that created are prostrate at that name, Jesus. The name is above every name. Well, thy, God said there, therefore God, even thy God, why? Well, in the days of his flesh, he's in a humiliated state as the son of God. In the days of his flesh. You notice the scripture was saying the days of his flesh. Well, why? that's when it's humiliation. Therefore, God, even thy God, why? Well, God at that point has made himself a body of flesh and blood, and that man is subject to pain, temptations, uh, sufferings, shedding of blood. And that point, that therefore the Lord said unto my Lord, that's my Lord, that God that made uh, himself a body of flesh and blood to die for me. I couldn't get to that couldn't get to the Lord Jehovah God Almighty except that he died for me. Couldn't get to the Father. But they have to realize that Son is the God, the only God, the one Spirit of God, manifest in that body of flesh and blood, and there's not another. That God formed himself a body of flesh and blood, Isaiah 43.10. And when you've got that, you're getting the revelation of Christ. You're getting the true Christ, not the Antichrist that comes against it and said, oh no, God's got many persons. He's not the Father. The Son's not the Father. He's not the everlasting Father. Now you have breached Christ. And when you do that, friend, he said, Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, the Father, you shall die in your sins. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? First John 2, 22. He is Antichrist. What? Who, who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? Well, remember, Christ is the Spirit. Christ is God. Christ is the Father. But Christ also spoke beforehand of the sufferings of Christ. 1 Peter 1, verse 10, 11. He spoke that he's going to suffer. Christ is not Christ Jr. Christ, God himself, is going to suffer as Christ. He's going to make himself a body of flesh and blood. Therefore, he said, who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? 1 John 2, 22. He is Antichrist. Oh, my goodness. That hath denied both the Father and the Son. Wait a minute, why? Because Christ is every office of the Spirit. He is the Father. He is the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. He is the Son of Man. He is the Son of God. Christ is all. And who's a liar but he that denied that Jesus is the Christ? Well, let's put it this way. Who's a liar but he that denied that Jesus is the Father? 
He is Antichrist. Who is a liar, but he denies that Jesus is the Word. He is Antichrist. Who is, who is he that denies that Jesus is the Holy Ghost? He's Antichrist. Who is he that denies that Jesus is the Son of God? He's Antichrist. Who is he that denies that Jesus is the Son of Man? He's Antichrist. Christ is every office of the Spirit. That's the reason John goes on and says, He that had denied that Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist that has denied both the Father and the Son. Because Christ is the Father of glory. He is that Spirit. And he is the Son because he made himself a body of flesh and blood. Then he went back to his former glory. Don't let anyone tell you that there's three, there's two, or this oneness doctrine. Oh, you got a man setting up the right hand of God, but that man's not God. Ooh, who in the world are you serving? My Lord, I believe you better get a hold of the horns of the altar and learn the revelation of Christ. Listen, we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions, some of you mentioned that. Hebrews 1, 1 Corinthians 15, 24. We understand that. We, we look forward to answering your questions. I'll be glad to do it over the air. If you want to do it sometime, give me a call. Uh, when we're in streaming, be glad to answer your, your questions. Uh, write to us at DennisBeard.org. Send us a question. I'll cover it. And we'll cover it on the podcast or in streaming and get back to you. Uh, we'll answer all your prayer requests. Uh, we'll pray with you. Uh, but if you have a question, uh, don't. Don't sit back and not ask it. Somebody said, well, it might be a stupid question. There's no such thing as a stupid question. We're talking about eternity here. We're not talking about failing or passing a class in college or something or in, uh, in high school. We're talking about eternal life here. So if you had a question, let us hear from you. Uh, send it to us, DennisBeard.org. That's our website. OurSealingGodsPeople.org. That is what the Lord spoke to us uh, there on the 19th of January, 2019. Well, I hope that's answered your question. If you have any questions, please be sure and send them to us. Uh, we were honored, we're humbled uh, there, and, and certainly uh, we'll do our best to answer your questions. Until the next time. Uh, this is Dennis, Brother Dennis Beard at SealingGodsPeople.org at the podcast saying, Behold, the real Jesus.